Hey there, Meg here. Just want to remind all of you to join me every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Central Time on the Star Coach Facebook page for Wednesday's Wisdom, where we help one another grow in community, in confidence, in competence in these difficult times. I'm happy to answer any questions that you may have. If you're unable to be there, send those questions ahead to Meg at afocusonresults.com and I will answer your questions. They will be available on the feed. I would love to have you join us. Wednesday's Wisdom, 9 a.m. Central at the Star Coach page on Facebook. Now let's go to this week's show. You are listening to the Star Coach Show with Meg Rentschler. Episode 178. Most clergy are feeling incredibly isolated and they don't know who they can trust. Well, guess what? Coaching is about creating a safe space. Mm -hmm. It's someone that you can trust. And so one of the reasons clergy are attracted to a coach is they we just need somebody because we're out there on, we're out there, we're alone. We just need somebody to help us. Welcome to Star Coaches, the show for professional coaches that brings you coaching strategies, tools, and resources. Whatever your focus or niche, take a front seat weekly as industry leaders, decision makers, and innovators share their wisdom and expertise on the ins and outs of successful coaching. Now join your host, Meg Rinchler, as she connects you with your star coaching potential. Hello, and thanks for joining us today. I'm your host, Meg Rentschler, executive and mentor coach and coach educator. And I want to thank you for being a part of the show today and every week, particularly in the face of the difficult times that we're going through right now as a world in facing a illness that is rippling through the world and creating necessary isolation so that we can tamp down the spread of this disease. And as we think about being isolated and focusing on this enemy that is amongst us, it can seem strange to continue doing our regular day-to-day things. Almost strange, like, why am I bringing a show to people who have all these other things on their minds? And yet, I believe that we need community right now. And we need to continue to build towards being our very best. What do we need to do for our skill set? What do we need to do for our mindset? And how can we set our business up to be as successful as possible? Because people need coaches right now more than ever. And if we were to give up our coaching to do something else, to earn money, to put food on the table and pay our mortgages, then the world is going to be impacted by that. So what can I do to play my role to help build our community to continue to bring you extraordinary coaches and other professionals who impact us as coaches to be our very best. And that's where we enter my guest for this week. I'm super excited to bring Dr. Vale Hastings to the show. Vale is a master certified coach. He is the founder and president of Coaching for Today's Leaders and Coaching for Clergy. Now he hired his first coach 
while he was pastoring at a local United Methodist Church, and he's going to tell us that story. It is a great story about the power of the coaching process and how by living coaching, you can impact others and attract them to you because of the power of the process. Super wonderful story. Can't wait for you to hear it. Now, Val is the author of numerous books. He's developed four coach training programs, which are all accredited by the ICF, and they're currently being offered in five continents. And we talk in today's interview about his global approach and the incredible ripple effect that his coaching programs have. When Val shared in his interview today about the impact that coaching has in faith-based organizations. One of the things that occurred to me is that it is his passion and the way that he showed up based upon the impact coaching had in his life that set the example, that set the stage. And so I encourage each of you as you listen to this interview to think about how you show up and how you can embody the power of coaching so that others are drawn to that. They're drawn to you. They're drawn to the power that that coaching can provide. So let's introduce you to Dr. Vale Hastings and go to our interview. Welcome to the Star Coach Show. It is wonderful to have you spend time with us today. Hey, thank you very much, Meg. It's a pleasure to be with you. You work with a very specific population. Not only do you work with that population, but you train other coaches on how to work with that population. So super important today. And as we get into working with faith-based organizations and how coaching can impact those organizations. I'd love to hear first just your story. What brought you into coaching and specifically coaching this population? Okay. So the first 20 years of my professional life, I was a pastor and I I still am a pastor actually. And in 1999, I sat next to a coach at an event And she introduced herself to me and I said, oh, what sport do you coach? And she laughed at me and then she told me about coaching. And, you know, she said, I've always wanted to coach a pastor. And I said, oh, really? Okay. And she said, well, I'll offer you three months of coaching. She coached me and Meg literally after the first session, I was hooked. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was like, I need this. And then I thought, you know what? Every pastor needs a coach. And so very quickly... I not only engaged coaching with her, but I also started learning how to be a coach. I didn't tell anyone at my church. I thought, if this is real, we're going to see if they notice a difference. And guess what? They called me into a special meeting and said, we need to talk. And I thought, uh-oh, what'd I do? <laughs> yeah, that's never the words we want to hear. We need to have a meeting to talk. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah. crud. Yeah. And the meeting was like, wow, what's happened to you? This is great. You're focused. You're sharp. You're showing up You know, much better. That's when I told them about coaching. So that, what that's an awesome story. What yeah. a testimonial to coaching. Yeah, yeah. So then yeah, so how did you continue as a pastor and begin to build the coaching aspect of it? Yeah, yeah. So for the next couple of years, 2000, 2001 and two, I coached internally in the church I was pastoring. And then um, 
pastors in the area started wondering what what's Val up to? What's he doing? So they asked, can can you coach me? And it was like a snowball effect. It just kept growing and growing and growing. One day, a bishop said, I've got 38 pastors. Would you like to coach them for 18 months? Wow. Like, would I like to? Absolutely. <laughs> wow. Uh, what I love about your story is that it all happened organically. It happened because people saw the impact of what you were doing. Yeah. You weren't out there pounding the bricks saying, coach, everybody coach. You were doing it, and it was ripple affecting everywhere. It, Love it, it. It was, yeah. I, I don't sell. I don't do any of that. It's just all word of mouth what you see, and that's it's, the attraction. Oh, so then you targeted, I mean, because of where you were coaching and what was being impacted, you were making a name for yourself in faith-based organizations. You coached. Yeah. Did you say 38? Coached 38 for 18 months, yes. Wow. Now, did you coach individually each of those people or group or how did you handle that? So at that point, that was all done individually. If I were to start now, though, I would really look at group and team coaching and maybe add in some individual sessions. It is so needed. All those things that we learn over time, but every single experience we have, even though we might look back and say, if I could do it again, we learn so much from the process of going through it. Yeah, yeah. So Val, how is coaching impacting faith-based organizations? Oh, wow. First of all, in faith-based organization, everyone either wants to be your coach or have a coach. I mean, it is that. It's that? That, that wow. contagious, that, that popular. You know, the imp- I mean, I really, when I look at the Judeo-Christian faith, mm-hmm. and, and probably if I were even look broader outside of Judeo-Christian faith, in our core tenets and beliefs is this whole, you know, we don't do the work for other people. We bring it out of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's coaching, isn't it? Yeah. That's, that's what we're all about. And for some reason, a lot of clergy, I felt like we need to be the ones on the playing field doing it all for people. And, and we can't. There's no yeah, way that you can do all that lifting. So then I'm sure clergy were feeling defeated and exhausted yeah. and yeah. like, why am I not able to do what I think I need to do? Yeah. So coaching introduced a different perspective. It, it did. Yeah. And, and most clergy are feeling incredibly isolated and they don't know who they can trust. Well, guess what? Coaching is about creating a safe space. Mm-hmm. It's someone that you can trust. And so one of the reasons clergy are attracted to a coach is they, we just need somebody because we're, we're out there on, we're out there, we're alone. We just need somebody to help us. And so it's a tremendous resource for a clergy. Actually, most clergy not only want a coach, but they want to know how to coach. So they both want to coach other people. So you're, mm-hmm. you, and that's something you do is help them move yeah. from sort of telling to yes. engaging through coaching. Yes. Tell me a little bit about how you, what your program's all about and how you actually work with faith-based organization leaders to empower them to coach. Okay. So right now we're, we have a lot of denominations, like the larger groups that kind of govern groups of clergy. They're contracting with us to train a cohort of clergy to be coaches. So we're training anywhere from 30 to 60 in different denominations in different associations. And I mean, we do, I mean, it's just like the regular training. We do either on-site, online. The difference is, is that the people in the room are faith-based. And so the scenarios, the conversations, everything's Mm -hmm. tailored in that way. Even things like, so what would a coaching approach to a sermon look like? 
Oh, wow. That is so powerful. Yeah, I mean, it is. So why not interject some powerful questions that get people thinking instead of telling? Mm-hmm. Right? So as it ripples through, I'm sure that there are layers of, of leadership with it. So certainly the clergy, but who else is getting bit by the coaching bug in faith-based organizations? Uh, well, definitely the, the denominational leaders. They all want to have that skill set. And they really it really is needed. Many seminaries are now looking at this as part of the curriculum for training. In fact, we've contracted with a couple of seminaries now. When a student begins their divinity training, they get a coach. So they've got a coach during the three or four years of divinity training, and then they've got a coach for the first couple of years. It, I mean, it spills down into laity, to just mm-hmm. regular people sitting in the pew. Let's give them the skill set as well, because right? they're on the front lines. So it's spilling over. The, the funny thing is, is I not only coach clergy, but I coach business people now. And here's how that happened. People sitting in the pew are business leaders. And they would say to their pastor, same thing my church said to me, what happened to you? You're sharp, you're on focus. And they, they would say, well, I'm working with a coach. And they would say, well, who's your coach? And they'd tell me. And all of a sudden, I've got this whole other niche that has emerged. All organically. All organically again. So, so as you, I know you're a master certified coach through the ICF, mm-hmm. which by the way, I just want to you know, kind of commend that that it is because you had such a ripple effect. I could imagine that maybe you wouldn't have to be certified yet at the same time being a professional coach and upholding the standards of our practice. Tell me a little bit about what made it important enough to you not only to be certified, but to go for that top certification. First of all, I'm the kind of person that I want. I want to master things. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of clergy are that way. We want to master this. We really want to understand it. So for me personally, that's where the bar is set. In general, you know, in terms of certification, I wouldn't go to a dentist who wasn't certified, right? right. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't send a family member to a heart specialist who hadn't had their work supervised. And, and we just need that in order to have competency. And, and so I've been an advocate of don't just put a shingle up, get the training, get the supervision. Um, then you can say to your clients, my work is regularly looked over by someone else. I have a second set of eyes looking at this. So. Really powerful. Really powerful. Yeah. yeah. Let's paint a picture of, you've talked about the power of coaching within faith-based organizations. But how specifically are you seeing it, it work? I'm thinking things like, are there, is there team coaching going on? Is there, individ, you know, like paint a picture of an organization and it, how it might work its way through the organization. Sure. So, and, and actually, thank you for kind of mentioning the organizational piece. The fastest growing what we're seeing now is a coaching culture. So it's not just a person that's the coach, but we're actually training and empowering a whole, the whole organization. It becomes the culture where we're regularly seeing the A in other people. How can we draw it out of them? I mean, that just has a huge effect. So now, whoever's teaching a class, mm-hmm. they've got a coaching approach. They've got it within them. Let's draw it out. When we're doing, uh, for example, it never made sense to me that we do premarital therapy. Why do people who are not yet married need therapy? <laughs> Afterwards, they might, but so what we're doing now is premarital coaching. Makes perfect sense. Yeah. 
Because therapy needs a diagnosis. It needs to have something wrong that's really Mm -hmm. kind of in the model of therapy. I can say that as a therapist. And yet coaching is what can we focus on that's going to to move forward, to build Mm -hmm. the best vision and plan and steps that we're going to make to be the strongest married couple we can be, to be the most supportive of one another that we can believe. So that's a great example of a shift that's happened within the organization. It's a huge shift. Then within all the leadership meetings we have, it is so easy to kind of get derailed. And yet if if you've trained everyone now with a coaching approach, everyone's responsible for keeping us on track now. And we can ask those powerful questions. So if we're successful tonight, what will success look like? And we can ask those questions that just keep us focused. So good. One of the things that has come up for me as I work with coaches going through certification and trying to determine their niche, I hear on a regular basis with the people who might be interested in working with clergy and those kinds of things is, I just, I don't see that that's going to be something that can sustain my business. I'm hearing, obviously, very mm. differently from you. Yeah. I think a belief is, well, that that population isn't going to be able to or be invested in mm. paying for coaching. Mm. What are your thoughts about that? So what's funny, Meg, is 20 years ago when I started talking about this niche, people said, hey, this is a great idea. I don't see how you're going to make a living at it. Right. Fast forward 20 years. The need is so great. I don't know how you can't make a living at it because there are just so many people that are interested. Now you need to be creative. And I do not charge the same in faith-based organizations that I would in a corporation. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Do more group coaching, team coaching. I mean, partner with other people, create some trainings. There are all kinds of ways to, to make this work. Again, because the need is there. I mean, it's a tremendous need. Well, and as, as we think about a warm audience, and we think about a target population that understands the value, you're saying this this population understands the value. You're not having to convince anybody because we don't want to try to convince anybody anyway. You're bringing the value, and I love your concept of what can you leverage? What can you do to bring that value to help create the impact creatively? You know, what can you do to potentially you know, provide different resources and, and different kinds of ways to engage. And I can imagine that seeing the impact that it has is so soul-filling. Yeah. I'll often say to a group that's skeptical about coaching, so put a price tag on having your pastor be focused, be sharp, be at her or his best, uh, healthy, their family life is balanced. I mean, put a, you can't put a price tag on that, can you? I don't think you can. And have that happen week after week after week. And then, I mean, if you just think about it, even so then more people are attracted to your organization. People want to be a part of that culture. The ripple effect is priceless. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Now, one other piece we haven't talked about, Meg, is that there's an unusually high incidence of ADHD-like behavior among clergy. That is interesting. So let's talk about that. Yeah. And it's been proven that coaching is a tremendous resource with people that have ADHD. So in order to be a a really effective clergy, you've got to have your hand and your eyes in lots of different areas. The problem is you lose focus. Mm -hmm. Enters the coaching process. Let's let's really get focused. Who or what do you need to have in place to stay sharp, to stay focused? 
that's one of the main benefits for a clergy who's the, the primary leader. You're keeping me sharp and focused on track. And then everybody benefits from that. And I can, I mean, clergy are not immune to lack of self-confidence, lack of, you know, belief in their abilities to, so when we can empower them to be the very best, people are going to notice. People noticed when Vail started doing things differently. People noticed and that you got reached out to and said, you know what? I see this happening. So let's give you 38 leaders to coach. That is amazing. I bet that just blew your mind. You know, I had to sit down. (laughs) And I thought to myself, oh, I don't think I can keep working at a church full time. This is that tipping point. And it was. So that's when you, I mean, even though you're still a pastor, you don't have your own church. I don't have a church. This is what I do full time. I coach and I train. And we do it globally. So, I mean, it's not just a, a U.S. phenomenon. This is a global phenomenon. When you coach globally and when you teach coaching globally, do you like, do you go to Europe and, and yeah. actually engage? Do you teach online? Tell me a little bit about your process. So, so we will do both. Typically, though, the first time, because it's a new concept, we will go on site. Mm-hmm. I'll have a translator with me. I mean, within you know, 30 minutes, 90 minutes, they're hooked. They're like, wow. This is Toronto. I mean, we've been to Zimbabwe. We trained 48 clergy women in Zimbabwe last May. Oh, my word. They, we can't get back soon enough for the next part of the training. Wow. And, and that's happening. I mean, that's the power of coaching, even through having to pause and have it translated. I mean, that they yeah. are just eating it up with a spoon, huh? They are. They are. Yep. Yep. Right away. All, all you have to do is, is give them an example of someone being coached or coach them. like as was done with me. That's all you need is just that taste of it. So as you think about particular challenges with this, with this particular niche, any challenges that come to mind for you as you've spent all these years doing it? I don't know. I'm not one that lives in the land of challenges too long because to me, they're opportunities. I'm I'm kind of drawing a blank on that, Meg. I'm sure there are some challenges. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't name any right now. Well, I know that in our pre-interview, one of the things that you said was that many times the pastor wants to be the coach. At first, did you have to do any, not convincing per se, but kind of holding up the mirror about we that we might need to be coached even when we want to coach others? So there you go. Thank you. That is a challenge. So whenever uh, a pastor invites me to come in and t- to coach their team, I say, I will only come in if I get to coach you individually. And there's usually some pushback on that, just as you described. No, no, my team needs you. And I'll come back and say, you know what? The team can only be as good as their leader. So I want you in the team meetings during the coaching, and I want to coach you. So you're right. There's more I want to be the coach than coach me. And what's interesting about that is that's really not unique to faith-based organizations. How often do we get asked to come into an organization? Like as an executive coach, I'll get contacted by a leader who wants the leadership team to be coached. I want to give all my people a coach, but I'm fine. And it's like, well, actually... It's a bit like doing marriage therapy with just half of the couple. Yes. It does, yes. you know, we've got to have that whole view yep. because as some people change and, and grow and look at things differently, if leadership isn't have, on that journey with them, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we have a disconnect when we're really trying to strengthen the whole team. Yep, absolutely. Yep, you're correct. Yep, yeah. 
So there's a lot of overlap. Yeah, a lot. So how long has Coaching for Today's Leaders been in existence? So and it actually started as Coaching for Clergy, which we still have. And then it morphed into Today's Leaders. So that started in 2001. 2001. So when you had your, and you still have the title of Coaching for Clergy, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, we do. That's under the umbrella. Okay. So when you had that specific title, because I just, I actually just got off a call right before we did our interview with a new group of coaches. I was asked to be a guest speaker at one of the colleges or universities in California. So we were having a talk about getting clear about your niche, right? And so many people are like, oh, if I say that I just do this, then who, other people aren't going to be attracted. But you're sort of a, a testament to get clear, yeah. speak the message that that population wants to hear, and you're going to be so busy, you're not going to be able to keep up with yourself. Yeah. That's been your experience over these years. That has been my experience. And you're going to attract people outside of your niche too, because they're going to be looking at that professional and going, what's happening? I want that. So So it didn't shut people down. In fact, Mm -hmm. you were able to build a very needed presence among faith-based organizations. And as you pointed out, other people see that, whether they're sitting in the pews, whether they're looking from the outside, and then that's allowed you to morph your business into coaching for today's leaders, yet you continue to keep your specialty niche as well. Yep, absolutely. Don't shy away from a niche. Go for it. So good. What have I not asked you about the concept of coaching within and the value that coaching brings to faith-based organizations that that maybe we want to be sure we touch on? Well, I I think, you know, one of the things you and I mentioned just right before we started the recording is the world has changed dramatically in the last week. Yes. I mean, and, and, you know, the people I'm talking to, the clergy are saying, I need a coach now more than ever. I need someone not to tell me what to do, but to come alongside of me, give me that encouragement, that acknowledgement, you know, hang in there, you've got this. And so I think now more than ever, faith-based organizations need a coaching approach. And, and even for leaders to say, we've got it within us to, to handle this huge pandemic that has come our yes. way. Yeah. And so, you know, what are your ideas? Draw it out of them rather than saying, this is what we're going to do. So, well, and I think that such an important message as the pandemic continued and all the things started shutting down, the panic I think that goes up within our industry is, are we looked at as a extra rather than as a necessary? And how do we, in fact, help our clients realize that when we come up next to them and we help partner with them through an experience like this, this is not a time to be isolated and try to figure it all out on our own. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think now's the time to follow up with your clients and just say, I'm here. You know, Mm -hmm. we don't want our clients to just randomly willy nilly check in with us. But now's the time when you might want to just have a 15 minute check in or shoot me a quick email. One of the calls I did this morning was just a group of coaches or people that I've been coaching individually. We just pulled together as a group and and just let's just check in with each other for, for two hours. And very quickly, that group gelled. And you could see the changes from high anxiety to we've got this on their faces. So again, now's the time to just be creative. Right. Be creative and be available and give that value without necessarily, you know, a price tag even on it at first. Just reach out, be available. And then those kinds of things, when we give value, things come back. 
in the way, because I know that several of our audience are panicked about their businesses right now, too. Mm -hmm. So what can we do to be creative, to be focused, to Mm -hmm. bring your best forward? And when we do that, not out of panic, but out of a desire to to be there for our clients, I'm a big believer that things will fall in place. They will. They will. That will be so appreciated by our clients and by people who are just observing us. And, you know, my concern right now is who's caring for those that are caring for others. Which is one of those issues that comes up whenever there's a crisis. Like who's taking care of the first responders? Who's taking care of the people who are who are taking care of others? What are we all doing for our own self-care right now as well? Yes, yes, absolutely. Yep. Now's the time for every coach to call their coach or to check in with a colleague who's a coach and just right. say, can we chat a bit? Yeah, right. absolutely. Such good information. Thank you for uh, taking time to share your expertise with us, but also to just help us see the impact of coaching, which is something that lights me up. It's so exciting to me that when we can empower others to get more curious and to use their curiosity to pull out the resources and the, and the creativity in others. I mean, it's just, a, it's just waves through and it's so exciting. It is. It's contagious. It goes viral in a good way, right? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Viral. And your story, your story of how you just lived coaching and by living coaching, it attracted others and others is probably one of my favorite stories of the mm. year. So thank you. Uh, for that. Thank you. Thank you very much, Meg. I've enjoyed being with you. Thank you. So there we are, inspired once again by an incredible guest who is bringing his best forward to us. And I want to thank Dr. Vale Hastings again for being on the show. If you'd like to know more about Vale or about his coaching programs, coaching for today's leaders and coaching for clergy and all of the work that he does in the coaching world, go to the show notes for episode 178 at starcoachshow.com and get that information. Now you'll want to be sure that you come back next week as I am featuring an interview with another master certified coach. Judith Duell is going to talk with us about coaching mastery in uncertain times and how to hold the space for our clients as they're working through difficult times. We did it right in the heart of all that's going on right now in today's world. And I think it's going to give you some incredible tools to deal with the different emotions that are happening for us and for our clients right now. If you're worried that you're going to miss the show, be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so that our New episodes are delivered directly to your phone each and every Wednesday. If you're enjoying the show, I would very much appreciate a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Every positive rate and review we receive increases our listenership. And in these uncertain times, let's, as I mentioned, build community. Let's be with one another every Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. Central. I am going live on the Star Coach page on Facebook, answering your questions, having a discussion. Would love to have you there. Join us. 
So until next week, this is Meg Rentschler wishing you the very best for your coaching success. Take care, be well, and come back next week.